0: Um, You are listening to Hunting Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast of Culture Pop. We have quite a show for you today. Uh, We're back at the regularly scheduled episodes, finally, but we've been doing so much since we've had a regular episode that we had decided that it was a good idea to hold a uh, catch-up episode, as we are want to do from time to time. However breaking news dictated that we talk about something else entirely on our topic of the show today uh i don't know how to write apparently it's okay i read it correctly but on our top oh of the show. <laughs> uh, there we go on top of our topic of the show there, there we okay uh yeah i've got a movie that i desperately want to talk about uh well two really um but uh we also have a couple games we want to talk about in brief as well as our regularly scheduled picks of the week i am of course your host the one and only bebop man josh McMullen, and i'm joined as almost always by one of my two co-hosts dylan money isn't everything martin How's it going today, fella? <laughs> you changed. <laughs> did that, you like you? that? I did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, Austin is uh, on his deathbed, so he cannot join us. Yeah, he uh, and I am recovering from my deathbed.
0: You uh, guys both took some bad shrooms.
1: <sighs> I wish. No, no, I don't wish that did you they get were them bad. From shrooms. the Netherlands, uh, where the owls from? Where the owl is from? That little motherfucker has it so good over there, and he needs to know that. <laughs> the fact that he can just waltz down the street to his local supplier and buy them legally. I would never have depression again. There's no reason for him to ever be sad. <laughs> ever. I
0: don't think that's how that works.
1: No, it's definitely how it works, Tawny. You get free weed and fr- Well, I'm not going to say it's free. It's free when you don't have to go to jail to pay for it. You know what I'm saying? And the mushrooms. They have weed over there, right? Or is he illegally buying that?
0: I'm sure that they That's have, Amsterdam, uh, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Amsterdam is the capital of the Netherlands? Am there. I wrong? See, yeah. So they're probably...
1: No, you're not. You're never wrong. But see, no reason to be sad. And he has a beautiful future wife coming his way. Shipping from stateside.
0: Yep. He literally bought a uh, mail-order bride. Yep. <laughs> I'm so coming sorry soon, <laughs> 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 oh Jesus, yeah, uh, good for him's got yeah, the it's whole, all right, whole world figured out, right he does uh we don't, I certainly fucking don't you're on your way, uh, we'll see <laughs> uh well, uh, I'm saving a bunch of stuff for next week's catch up because we have uh decided to push it back another week but uh one movie i could not uh stop th- well thinking about and couldn't help but talk about is scream
1: Ugh, i'm joking Ugh. i'm joking
0: <laughs> uh, was it uh, good i want to know so yeah uh how do i want to start this let, let me just give you my 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 broad thoughts first I liked it. I really liked it a lot. Um, It did a lot right. Um, It did some stuff wrong. (laughs) But um, overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Solid like three and a half out of five, like seven out of ten, whatever you wanted to put it at. Um, I really wished that it were better. Because I I love Scream, the franchise. I like all of those movies, even three. Uh, a lot of people like to kind of shit on it and, like, talk about how it's a bad movie. And I, I kind of don't think that it is. I In hindsight now, it's a Weinstein movie about the Weinsteins before Me Too. And that's really, really interesting. Um and I, I kind of like some of the stuff that it does in there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like the I like the franchise as a whole. But um, I also really enjoyed the radio silent film from 2019 uh, Ready or Not, which was my second favorite movie of that year. Um, and so the bar was set exceptionally high for me, uh, even though I kind of I really I had seen the trailer, but I kind of went in with no expectations or well, not, not expectations. That's a, ba- that's a bad way to phrase it. Cause I definitely had expectations, but I, I almost went in blind. So my, my expectations I felt were kind of, um, like on board. Uh, and so like, I, <sighs> it sucks that they weren't met. If that makes sense. Um, but but I'm'm I'm, I'm being really negative right now uh, so i I think that the movie is is good um, I don't know that it's great, but I think I think it's good possibly even really good um, but it has this thing where uh, you know how scream is always taking on concepts and and uh, uh, sort of like lampooning them like. Uh, obviously the first one is is taking on the slasher movies of the 80s like it that's just what it's doing yeah two is kind of the sequels three three is a little bit weird because it tries to bring in trilogies but trilogies don't really have their own sets of rules so like it was a little weird but then four was kind of like the whole remake situation and this one is doing the uh it depends on what you want to call it, but it's the, the legacy sequel. So it's like a remake that's also or, or not necessarily a remake, but it's like a reboot that is yeah. also a sequel. And it really tackles that in um, some pretty, pretty. Uh, uh, I don't want to say what, what's the word I'm looking for. Some pretty, uh, I, I, I guess, angry ways. Like, it, it really kind of takes a look at at that. And um, it also k- kind of takes a look at uh, horror as a whole and where it is right now. Like, they make a lot of, like, really funny jabs at, like, people talking about elevated horror, like Hereditary and the Babadook and, and shit like that. And, um, like, I... I thought that was really funny, even though I really fucking like those movies. Uh, And I really liked almost everyone in this movie from not only a character standpoint, but from an acting standpoint. Like, I really think that Jack Quaid is just so charismatic, like he, he was on screen for i mean probably a good half of this movie and every time he was on the screen i was like attached to him um i really liked uh, almost all of the new cast and then when the uh dewey sydney and gail came back or and and even um uh marley shelton uh Judy Hicks, that's that's her name from Four. When she came back, I was uh, like when she came on screen, I was kind of excited because I I loved her as a character in Four. Uh, I know not a lot of people did, but I thought she was cutesy and funny. Um, it was really nice to see her back, but uh, I I really liked lots of this movie, including the like. This is probably the most brutal scream. And that's saying something because scream has always been really violent. Uh, but like the kills in this movie are fucking gnarly. Like not, not like final destination type, uh, or Friday the 13th, sort of like over the top gnarly, but these are like very realistic, like, Oh holy fuck this kind of makes me uncomfortable like unsettled or uh, not unsettling but like um uh what's the word uh, I keep saying gnarly but like brutal I, I don't know <laughs> um that like all said graphic. yeah it's very graphic there's one there's one in particular that I won't ruin but I was watching it the entire time and just being like Dude, how the fuck did they get away with this in a rated R movie? Like... Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) That says a lot. Yeah. Like, I I thought 100% for sure that would have been a thing that they would have had to... And and maybe they did have to cut it. But if it, uh, I don't want to say it felt mean-spirited because that's not true. But it, it was like... It put its fucking balls on the table and was like, here. Like, I have something to say sort of thing. Um... But, but to get to that, right. Uh, I, I kind of think that it does have something to say, but I think it's kind of like, uh, executed poorly. Um, I, I think on the surface, what this movie really wants to get into is, I I mean, it's, it's, it's there, like right in your fucking face, especially at the end. And it's, it's toxic fandoms, uh, and it – in a way, to me, I understand where they're coming from, but it's – it felt more like an argument that is one of those things that's like uh, – uh, so d- don't look up, right? I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's the Netflix movie that's about a comet that's coming towards earth and it's on a direct course for impact and it's going to destroy the planet. Everyone's going to fucking die, blah, blah, blah. And it's a stand in for climate change. Like, I mean, that's what it is. The movie is about climate change and it's trying to talk about like how we can avert disaster if we just like pay attention to what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And I get that. But the movie's kind of dog shit. Uh oh, like fuck, man <laughs> I've been wanting to watch it. <laughs> it it's I, I didn't think it was very good. I okay. don't think that any of the satire works. I don't think it's funny. Um
1: You might have just saved me.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and it's also it's also very preachy. Like it ah, I, yeah. I, I get what you're trying to put across, but you're going about it the wrong way, sort of thing. Um And people pointed that kind of stuff out and fucking Adam McKay came out and was like, well, uh, you know, if you if you don't like my movie or whatever, you just don't understand it or you don't agree with like the positions. And like, I think that's such a fucking bullshit, like deflection of criticism.
1: That's almost pretentious.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can understand what you're saying and I can even agree with you. But I think your movie shit like. You know and i kind of think that this almost verges into that territory a little bit with what it's trying to say about toxic fandoms like at a certain point it's like i understand that to a point there are people out there who take ownership of what's going on like uh, for instance halloween for me right like unfortunately I think I am to a certain extent one of those people especially with my like my love of the series it's it's mine you know what I mean like I I, like I kind of hold on to it that sort of way and I think that when I come at it with criticism it's because I love that thing more so than I think that it's mine and so when I feel like i have legitimate criticism it bothers me when people like just say oh well you're a toxic fan or whatever because i don't think that that's fair like 100 of the time and i feel like that's how the the discourse is on twitter and on the internet and all that shit and i think that using that as the as your sort of quote-unquote selling point for the movie really falls flat when you don't take the, like uh, for, for lack of a better thing, like scream is the series as itself is kind of satire, right? Like it's kind of poking fun at like the tropes of horror movies, right? Like the, like the first, one in particular skewering slasher movies of the 80s right but at the same time it's doing those same exact things and and kind of like showing you why they worked in the first place like good satire i think shows you both sides of the argument and like lampoons the stuff that it should lampoon if that makes sense. And I don't think that this one does that. I think that this one kind of is like, yeah, toxic fandoms and, and requels and blah, blah, blah. But then it just kind of like goes back into those things without ever commenting on like, yeah, this is why this works sort of thing or, or anything remotely close to that. And that really bothered me. Um, I also really, really hated the lead actress. I thought she was fucking terrible. I uh, have heard defenses of her and I've seen defenses of her on Twitter. And that's fine if you think she was good. But the entire time she was on screen, I I just kept being like, I want to get to someone else. I don't care what's going on with her at all. Uh, so that's one of my. I don't even know who she is. Uh, like I,
1: I know that she's been in you know stuff like, Insidious and Iron Man three, but or
0: whatever. But I don't know who she is. Like I have. Oh no! Not even not even her. Not oh, not even her. There's another. Uh, yeah, you're talking about Jenna Ortega, yeah. who I I actually really like. I thought she was fantastic. Who um, who's the primary? I'm trying,
1: let me. see. And first off, while we're just talking about actors and actresses in this. I had no idea Dennis Quaid had a son. And then you said Jack Quaid. And I was like, wait, what? I went and looked. He is a fucking spitting image of his father.
0: Yeah, it's fucking weird. That's <laughs> crazy. Uh, uh, Melissa Barrera is the um, the Shh, lead. In
1: the- I didn't even know who that was. That's worse than the other one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was in, uh, in the Heights from last year, uh, which I haven't seen. And she's been in some... Um, Spanish language stuff, it looks like.
1: So, what was her issue?
0: She's just so wooden. I, she was uh. never believable to me at all. Uh, I don't know. I, I liked almost literally everybody else in the movie but her. She just didn't seem like believable to me at all. Um, I also kind of felt like the characters were a little bit predictable or well, not not the characters, the killers. I kind of knew about mm, maybe 30 minutes into this movie, maybe even less, who the killers were. Uh and oh, and when you're sucks. yeah, when when your whole like story kind of hinges around the who done it aspect, uh, it kind of loses some of the steam. Um yeah, cuz
1: that's kind of the whole point of that franchise to me is who's the killer, but that seems that seems not good. If you can figure it out within the first 30 minutes of the movie, because what's the point of the rest of it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I, I do really like this movie. I think that there is a lot to offer and I am really glad that it exists. I even really like some of the implications that they make towards the end of the movie that could go into a scream six. Um, But I I do think that it is kind of a letdown considering the highs of this series, like one, two and four for me, I think are really top tier horror films like. I I think Scream one is maybe the second best slasher, Uh, I mean, behind Halloween, I uh, like you could make the argument, I guess, that like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a slasher, even though I kind of don't consider it one. Um, even still like scream. Yeah, I love scream. The first
1: one stands out as one of my core childhood memories of like yeah. learning what horror is. And they had grotesque murders in that one. So I'm shocked that this one outdoes that. Dude, uh, I mean, I remember. Uh, did, did you see four? I did with, uh, what's her fucking name? The new scream queen. <laughs> I forget. What uh, her name. Emma Roberts.
0: Emma Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember some of the stuff in that movie being like, holy shit. Yeah. And this one tops even that one. Like That's crazy dude.
1: That gives me incentive to watch it though. Cause I like that shit. I like final destination. Mm, uh, okay. Yeah. So, so I guess finish your, your thing. Cause I do have a question.
0: Okay. O- overall, I recommend it. I I think that it's a nice return to form. Uh, the movie's what been away for eleven years. Um, yep. So I- I'm ready to have more scream movies.
1: You mean like the MTV series? No. Okay, just
0: wondering. Um, <laughs> I never saw it just so you know I never even uh I think I watched like a season and a half maybe or maybe not even a full season and I enjoyed what I watched but it was boring enough to where I never went back to it after I fell off so if that says yeah, anything to you that says a lot
1: um so my question is I love the Scream franchise I've watched one two three four love them all uh and I know this is like a dumb question. Well, let me ask this, because we are in the come down phase of having COVID and being positive. I'm pretty sure we're negative now, but we both still have some of the like key symptoms, I guess. You can't stream this on anything, right? This is theater only.
0: Yeah, as of right now, it's theater only. Uh, okay. It is a Paramount release, so I would expect that it'll be on Paramount Plus or or possibly HBO here in the next probably i'd say two to three months
1: okay because i really do want to see this my issue is that i don't think sabrina has ever seen one two three or four uh, mm-hmm. which sucks because it's kind of an obvious question right but she really needs to see those prior four to go into this right because i understand that they're tackling the whole reboot like soft reboot concept or whatever mm-hmm. but i feel like she needs to watch those past four right
0: uh, at the very least, I think that you could get away with just seeing the first one, but I, I do think that there are enough little things that kind of pay are like they pay homage to two, three and four yeah. that that it is like, I think you get a deeper appreciation if you've seen all four of them.
1: I gotcha. And truly that's probably what we'll wind up doing anyway, just because like I said, I love those four movies. Um, so maybe that's just like a, over the next few days that we're still under this quarantine shit. Like we'll just sit down and watch them. I think I have them. If not, I mean, I'll Amazon prime the shit. It'll be here tomorrow. Yeah. Right. But that's cool though. Like I'm glad it's not a complete letdown. Like I understand the criticisms you bring, but I'm glad that at least you would recommend seeing it because unlike don't look up, <laughs> I, <laughs> I can actually hold on to this uh little bit of hope.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't, don't watch. Don't look up.
1: <laughs> okay. Don't look up. Don't look up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, you don't have anything down. Uh, Not really, man. You talk about. I've, I've been
1: tackling a lot under my COVID leave um, was positive. Uh, it sucked. I'm glad that I didn't have the kind that left my taste and smell gone for months at a time. I did lose it for a good four days and that was the shittiest experience of my life. I love to cook, dude. And not being able to taste anything that I did cook was miserable. I was just eating bowls of white rice by the end of it. Um, but outside of that, I've just been kind of, I mean, I've been playing a shit ton of games. I've been doing hiking far away from people, uh, seeing some beautiful sights. probably not the greatest thing considering it was snow. And, you know, I am in the process of being sick. (laughs) So Probably not the best for the health, but Sabrina 's from Arizona, so snow is new to her. I grew up in this shit uh, This has been my life since I was born, so I, I I know snow I see it all the time or have seen it, but it 's just getting to take her out there she 's doing a lot better on the recovery than i am i'm i 'm slow to the mend um, like you can probably even hear it now a little bit in my voice, but um she had a great time and I've been dabbling in a lot of different shows. Uh, I think, I don't know when I was talking to you guys about it. might've been on the last episode, but like I knocked out squid games and some piggy blinders, like before I got sick. And then, uh, we've been on a steady stream of just watching Naruto because she's never seen that and she's getting really into it. So she wants to watch it. Uh, she's finishing the last season of attack on Titan. Shout out to Austin who's dying right now. And, uh, I think we're about to start Yellowstone because everyone keeps telling us to watch it, and I don't know why.
0: Yeah, but, that does not look appealing to me in the
1: least. Right? I, I didn't even know what it was, and everyone's like, oh, this seems right up your alley. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't really have an alley. Like, listen to the shows that I just named, like Squid Games, Peaky Blinders, Naruto. I'm fucking... In- on the nights that I was really sick, like I was nostalgic as shit and went back and started watching a couple episodes of Friends. Like, I don't really have an alley, so I don't know why this is uh, supposedly going to be great to me, but I'm going to give it a shot. I have Peacock Plus, so why not, right? Uh, yeah. But, but I've I've been all over the place, man. There's been a shit ton of gaming, which I'll talk about probably uh, next week on our uh, ketchup and mayo episode. So, uh, outside well, of that, ketchup
0: man. Ketchup and mustard. Because you have something against mustard you fucking racist i (laughs) (laughs) you condiment racist i don't have
1: any i do love spicy brown mustard i will say that okay that's the best i don't know ketchup and mayo everyone hates mayo i get it i fucking hate it i know you're one of them dude but like ketchup and mayo on a burger i I'm i'm about it that's just my combo but i do like mustard i don't know i just always default ketchup and mayo Ketchup and spicy mustard and mayo. That's the way to go. Yeah. With some.
0: I, I really wish that I liked fucking um, condiments. That's such. Oh, you thing. like dry burgers? Yeah. I, oh. I'll, I'll throw like cheese, lettuce, tomato on there and be fucking totally fine.
1: Okay. I mean, that's good though, because you got some moisture in there with the lettuce and the tomato, at least. Uh, and hopefully your burger is a little moist too. Yeah. I was going to say you, if you, you can fucking cook, yeah. cook your fucking burgers correctly, it should yeah, be a no. moist. Uh, which is how it should be done. Um, I don't know. I think I just grew up with it and I became accustomed to it. I don't really do, if I have tomato on a burger, I'm not putting ketchup on it. (laughs) For real. Uh, I'll throw some mayo on there and mustard just because I don't know. I'm a condiment king, I guess. I don't, I just, (laughs) it's good. So did you
0: grow up the other way?
1: Did you grow up without the two or three?
0: Uh, well, uh, I just never liked them uh, for whatever reason. Like w- yeah. whenever I was like young and we would have like cookouts and stuff, they'd be like, "What all do you want on your burger?" I'm just like, "Just give me the fucking meat and cheese, bro." <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if it was like your parents didn't like it,
1: so you didn't like it type of thing. Oh no,
0: they that. love that shit.
1: Yeah, slather it on there. You're from oh. Georgia,
0: right? Yeah.
1: How do you like your hot dog? Uh,
0: honestly, I usually just do ketchup.
1: Ketchup. Oh, at least you throw something. If you would have said bread and fucking be uh,
0: out of it. I can do that, man. Uh, yeah. You like
1: like all the stuff, like all the fixings, like relish and coleslaw and all that stuff?
0: Uh, no, not really. Oh, yeah. You must hate
1: coleslaw if you hate mayo.
0: Yeah, I fucking hate coleslaw. <laughs> Coleslaw's so fucking gross, dude.
1: <laughs> oh, man. But no, no, I. that's that's about it for my uh, week. Of events. I didn't record with you guys last week. Shout out Justin for stepping in while I was literally dying. I think that night's the night that I told you guys I had a fever. I don't know, but. Uh, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, it just it hit me like a freight train, dude. And even now, uh, like today, I was fine. We took the garbage out, but just yesterday, like I took five steps and I was like, <gasps> I was like breathing hard. You know, I was fucking like, and it's not because I'm fat, it's because I had COVID. <laughs> I'm a pretty stamina-filled guy. Like, I'll I'll hike a mountain with you, but all of a sudden, just feels like there's a truck on my chest, man. It was a wild ride. I don't, don't recommend getting COVID unless you just want time off work, and even then, it's not worth it.
0: Don't recommend. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right, well. We got some pretty substantial shit to talk about. We do have some pretty substantial shit to talk about, but before we do, I want to talk about the last tool. Oh, I didn't know you had two things on there. I did.
1: My bad, dude. I just jumped the gun. Cut that out. That didn't happen.
0: No, I'm going to leave no, it in because that's I think great. It's funny.
1: That's awkward. <laughs> what
0: the fuck is the last duel? <laughs> so, oh well. Good, good for you for not knowing what the fuck this movie is. Is this is this Andrew Garfield's movie? Uh, no, this is the uh, the Ridley Scott historical drama about uh, literally the last uh, duel uh, or last like trial by combat. Uh, in medieval France. What the hell did um, Andrew
1: Garfield just act in?
0: He was in uh, Tick, Tick,
1: Boom. Maybe that was it. The Is musical? That, oh, yeah, okay. That seems <laughs> right. I don't know if that's right.
0: No, this was the movie that uh, that Ridley Scott kind of got in trouble f- uh, for saying uh, that millennials didn't want to watch The Last Duel and they were too addicted to their cell phones and we had like a whole breakdown about it in the fucking uh,
1: in and, the Discord. Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell is Ridley Scott? I'm joking. I, I just,
0: oh my god! I,
1: I just wanted to get your ears a little hot, right?
0: Boy, there. <laughs> they they did get kind of hot. <laughs> I was about to fucking come through the microphone and punch <clears throat> you in your mouth. Right? Yeah, he's the guy that directed Predator. I hate you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, no. Uh, something that during that conversation that Gilbey did point out, and I think is one hundred percent correct, I do think the the last duel was mismarketed. I don't think that there was enough marketing out there, um, and you can blame Disney for that because Disney owns Twentieth Century Fox. And they didn't fucking do anything because they were too busy promoting Spider-Man. Yeah, it's weird how a company just
1: starts to own everything and then stuff that they own starts to fall off and they don't promote it accurately. It's weird how that happens.
0: Hope that doesn't happen
1: with video games.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it's fucking... Hang on. I'm about to look this shit up. Uh, Disney December releases... I am 100% positive that they had four movies coming out within two weeks of each other in December. Oh, and they my fucking, God. They only did Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell you what it was. <laughs> like, I know for a fact that they uh, did Nightmare Alley. I, I know for a fact that that was one of them. Um, what was, there were like two other ones. Hang on.
1: I don't even know what the fuck Nightmare Alley is. I just had to look that up. I, how do I not know what this is? It has Bradley Cooper and Rooney Mara in it.
0: And it's uh Guillermo del Toro.
1: Yeah, I had no idea that this even came out, dude. Uh
0: movies. December 2021 movies. Uh let's see. All right. What and uh they had Spider-Man: No Way Home. Uh Nightmare Alley. Let's see. Why is this doing fucking goddamn Blu-rays? Fuck right off. I feel like this is going on way too long. (laughs) Yeah, the good news is you can cut it all out, but will you? Uh, Probably not.
1: Sorry, guys. I tried.
0: What am I looking at here? Why is this all...
1: Did you type in Disney twenty twenty one releases?
0: Uh, no, I, I started to and then I did not.
1: Because that's just going to give you some. You know, I mean, I'll see what comes up when I type it in. Studio release little searchlight. Oh, uh,
0: Encanto maybe
1: was that another one? Holy shit! Encanto came out in November, but okay. Wait, I don't know if this is including Blu-ray or not. But I'll just name out the four that I see in December. Diary of a Wimpy Kid West. Nope, that's not good. Because this doesn't have Spider-Man on there.
0: Okay. Yeah, I I I'd have to fucking like do a little bit more research than I'm doing right now. And I don't want to fucking do that. But anyway, the point is, is that Disney just didn't fucking do anything um to promote anything other than Spider-Man and it's fucking frustrating. Uh and they didn't do any promotion for um, the last duel, either, which you know, fuck you. Yeah, again, I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so it's. But a you movie. watched it. I, I did watch it. It, it. It's a it's a movie that is again. It takes place in medieval France, and um, it's about this duel that comes about because. One, uh, I don't want to say knight because that's not really accurate. Um, but like, there are these two people who are like knights or very close to knighthood, um, who start out as friends and then one of them rapes the other one's wife. Oh my God. Yeah. And that leads to the, um, to the duel, uh, at the end. And, It's told in a sort of, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the movie, but a uh, Rashomon style. Uh, Rashomon was the Akira Kurosawa film that kind of deals with the same subject matter. A samurai is murdered and his wife is raped. And it's told from, I think, four different perspectives, maybe five. Um, And you get a glimpse into kind of like uh, how different people view different things, right? And this yeah. movie does that same sort of thing, uh, except it's told from the three main people's perspectives. So you get a look at it from uh, Jean, T- Jean de Carouge, um, his... Uh, I tried. Uh, Jacques Legri and uh, Marguerite. And... uh I just really fucking dug the shit out of this movie, dude. It's, uh, very much in a similar vein to, um, I I forget the other name of the, um, the movie that fucking, uh, Ridley Scott did that was kind of like, uh, historical epic drama, uh, maybe Kingdom of Heaven. Um, it's that or Alien yeah yeah that one (laughs) uh but it it reminds me a, a lot of that it has a lot of the same sort of like flourishes with like the the medieval like combat and stuff like that that you see but i really think that the script fucking shines so hard in this like i i think that the the sort of like rashomon uh style storytelling is really clever because you don't see it utilized a lot but in here it straight up will take like the same scene from one story and show you that scene from the perspective of the other person later or or like you get you know the the perspective like from before you know whatever um and it is completely different like the the opening scene of this movie, after I think the credits roll is, um, it's called the, the truth according to Jacques de Carouge. And it shows like this sort of like epic war scene and Jacques or er, Jean is like giving this really embattled speech. And like, he's like, getting the men around him to like go into battle with him. Right. Like it's like fucking real Braveheart type shit. And then when you get to Jacques version of the truth, he looks like a bumbling fucking idiot who like leads his men into like a an unwinnable situation because he's a fucking moron. And I, I just love how, the script really like hammers home these people's perspectives and their points of view in a way that doesn't feel uh, like ham fisted. And it really gets into like some really fucking intense shit and takes it all very seriously. And I loved it everyone in this except for Ben Affleck. <laughs> ben Affleck, I I loved and hated him because I feel like he kind of steals every scene that he's in, but his accent is all over the fucking place. <laughs> like, he'll start a scene with a, like uh, a really nice sort of like French accent and end it in complete, like American English. It's oh, fucking hilarious watching him try to try to do any sort of like accent you know you know that
1: whole gaming uh joke is this a bug or a feature <laughs> yeah, right
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh shit uh but uh, but everybody is is fucking excellent this especially Jodie Comer I hope like a motherfucker she gets nominated for a best lead actress because she is fucking phenomenal in this movie she is so fucking good I could not steal my eyes away from her The scene, the, the rape scene, it is shown twice and in both times, she has to give like different performances and like, fuck me, dude. She's so fucking believable in both ways. I, I really fucking, I, I loved her in this. I thought she was fucking brilliant. Um, I don't really have too many criticisms with it. If I'm being completely honest with you, I think that it might be a little bit over long. Um, it is I, I, almost two and a half hours. I think it's like two hours and like 15 minutes or something like that. Um, no, it, it is two and a half hours. Okay. Well, I don't know. It It feels a little bit long, but I... I really kind of loved it. I think it's one of the best movies of the year. It made it into my top 10. Uh, I think it's sitting at number nine on my top 10 for the year. Um, I think it's excellent. I I really do think that like the only knock against it is that it wasn't fucking marketed properly. I, I really think that if more people were like, it just came to HBO and I'm hoping like, fuck that more people watch it now because it really is like just stellar it's a really really good movie yeah and that's where
1: i'd seen it uh i have seen it when i was browsing because uh, like i said i've been watching just whenever i was sick or i was drunk i was watching friends for you know whatever reason but that's on hbo max and i've seen this there uh so i i did recognize the name i just had my facts wrong like i had no idea how i got andrew garfield out of this shit <laughs> that's cool though like i just added it to my uh to my list Mm, yeah, it's uh it's worth it, man. And now we have some shit to talk about. <laughs> now we have
0: some shit to talk about. Uh I completely forgot to really um I guess uh write in this main entrance. Uh so I'm just gonna tell you guys, you know, like we stated up front, uh we weren't prepared for the absolute mammoth news that hit us this week. Was like that yesterday specifically? Was that
1: a World of Warcraft reference? Uh, it was not. That was great, though. Come on. Do you see what you did there? I I don't, actually. Oh, because of the classic Burning Crusade line was, you are not prepared. And then you just hit me with that. And I was like, wow, that was a great segue, Josh. Damn. I know.
0: I know. I wish I played wow enough to get that reference.
1: Do you want to redo (laughs) this and we can pretend like you did? (laughs)
0: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We were not prepared. (gasps) Dylan. (gasps) Oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. But, uh, but yeah. So yesterday, Microsoft hit us with that announcement that, um, they bought Activision Blizzard out of Uh, fucking nowhere out of fucking nowhere literally out of nowhere uh the deal is said to be worth roughly 68.7 million or 69 billion 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 i said million didn't i
1: yeah um, let's, let's take that number into consideration how many zeros that is
0: yeah that's a lot of fucking zeros uh yeah this news is fucking huge and we're going to talk about it obviously um I think my first uh, question to you is um, when you heard this, how how did it make you feel? Like, were you excited? Like, Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to lie
1: to you. It was a mixed bag. Initially, so the, the way I found out about it was Austin sent a picture to us in our group chat. And I was like, what is this? It can't be real. So the first place I went for all of my credible information was Reddit. Uh, and then the top post there was the same thing. And it linked to, I forget who wrote the article, but I'm not going to lie, dude, my stomach dropped. Um, not in a good way. <laughs> it's like, that is a shit ton of money. Like, we you, we made this whole episode about how them buying Bethesda was the biggest thing ever. Um, or, sorry, ZeniMax. Uh, they bought ZeniMax, and it was the biggest thing ever. And it was a fraction of what they spent for this company. And I know that it's not really a key point to talk about how much they spent for it. But it is when they bought Activision Blizzard and... I don't think it's a good thing for them to just keep they're not trying <laughs> uh, i don't it's it's hard for me to put this into words I'm going to be honest with you because I don't think they should be spending money to acquire so this is a two sided thing. I do have goods and bads to this later. I do want to say that I don't want to make it sound like I'm completely negative on this topic. I do want to talk about the the downsides to it but there are some silver linings and I'll talk about it in a little bit and pose a question to you. Uh, but they are not investing enough into their first party titles. And instead they just keep dropping massive amounts of money to acquire studios to, I'm not going to say necessarily do the work for them. That's not what I want to say at all with this, but I don't feel like there's enough first, like everyone keeps you know, saying, well, what's Sony going to do? Sony has a lot of fantastic uh, developers in their roster that are making one-of-a-kind games. I cannot say that for Xbox. Um, and that's that's one side of it. And then you look at it, and it's like, Microsoft is buying a lot of shit. Um, I know we were just talking about it in a joking manner a few minutes ago with Disney, but when you look at what they have done, they have so much under their belt that stuff does get overlooked. Like Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard of the last duel and it's one of their movies, even though it was, who did you say 20th century or paramount or which one was it? 20th century. Century. So, um, when does that start happening with Microsoft? There's a lot of questions that I have. Um, I don't feel good about this. So in, in the way of, what it looks like for the future of gaming. Now, as a fan of some Blizzard games, I have a little bit of redeemed hope. And for the company itself, for what they're suffering right now, I have a little bit of redeemed hope. But this puts us in a fickle situation to me. Uh, I'm very worried (laughs) because that's, if they can do this, I mean, what's next for them? Like, truly, I know it's a joke, but do they buy EA? Is that even allowed? I mean, <laughs> I, well, they
0: I, they would be the next uh, the next highest one,
1: right? Like, they yeah. are. Um, it has to be. I think we were talking about that earlier. I think Justin said they were valued at thirty billion. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then you look at things like like Take Two uh, is also one that we're talking about, and Ubisoft. It's it's if they buy those very last few major publishers, developers, whatever you want to say, that's, and there's nothing stopping them. That's the scary part. That's what really opened my eyes with this acquisition. Nothing can stop them from doing that. Uh, The only thing that would stop them is if something bigger came along that did it like Sony themselves, or even, you know, throw the possibility of something outlandish, like imagine Amazon doing something. Uh, I don't know. But I didn't feel good about it, man. I know that was a very long-winded uh, answer to what you asked. But there's just a lot to unbox with this. Uh, how did you feel? Because I don't think you're uh, on the hopeful wagon either, really.
0: Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, my my first thought was, holy shit, we were just talking about this. Because <laughs> we, uh, I think it was like, uh, what, like three or four days ago, we were talking about how xbox could conceivably bump up their game pass numbers and one of us i don't remember who it was said something along the lines of well they're going to be hard pressed to do so unless they can get casual people on board with titles like call of duty and i'm pretty sure all of us said well and that's not going to happen yeah <laughs> no <laughs> but it, and then it was like we blinked yeah <laughs>
1: God, could you imagine in the prediction episode someone said Microsoft makes an even bigger bigger purchase this year than they did last year? Fuck, man. I
0: would have shit my pants had that happened before January ended. <laughs> right? Like, holy fuck. Yeah. Um Yeah, so my my first thought when when I heard this news was like, holy fuck, what? Like what are you, this is a joke, right? And then when I when I looked into it, uh my next thought was like holy shit call of duty on on game pass that's going to be fucking huge and then as i thought more and more on it it became more of a uh well i kind of think this is bad like i think that this oh yeah um what hang on uh i need to check my reaper is it still going it looks like it's still going okay uh for whatever reason my computer just like shut all uh or or, well, not shut all the way that's a bad way to phrase it but uh
1: oh yeah i was like what's happening now
0: okay no it's still going everything looks good okay just want to make sure we're we're good okay um shit okay sorry that was uh that was weird um but uh what was i saying
1: i forgot because you kind of scared me i'm not gonna lie
0: (laughs) (laughs) um I, i guess what i was saying is like the more that i thought on it the more i kept coming back to my idea on Microsoft just acquiring everything. I, I kind of think it's a fucking bad idea. Um, I, I kind of think that, uh, buying studios is, is not the, it's not the correct way to go about this sort of thing. Unfortunately, I mean, it just, Oh, I, okay. So, so let's get into it. Right. So at this point, uh we're we're thinking that they're acquiring studios in order to kind of bolster game pass right yeah and the reason that i think that they're bolstering game pass is because uh and, and this is my thoughts on it i don't know if it's actually what their thought process is on the whole thing but my thought is that they're trying to do this because They can't really compete with, um, Sony on the, on the game front and they have to have like a offering, um, for, um, it's like, they have to have
1: an answer to it.
0: Yeah. They have to have an answer to the amount of games that they are, uh, I guess competing against, maybe that's the wrong way to phrase it, but like you think uh, about like, what exactly is it that Microsoft has, right? When you think about like PlayStation, you think God of war. You think the last of us, unfortunately Uh, you think uncharted. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You think horizon horizon. You think ratchet and clank days gone. Right. And and unfortunately for Microsoft, they're in a position where all they really have are Halo, Gears of War and Forza. I mean, those are the big three. They have other things, but those other things aren't nearly on the same level as something from Sony. So how do you get people into your ecosystem with with Game Pass when all you have are you know these three games and they they are developed in 4 to 5 year cycles like how do you get people buying your subscription service um i i i think that the answer the, the uh I um, this is a bad way to phrase it but I I think probably the correct answer is that um you have to uh, uh I think you have to build stuff from the ground up unfortunately I, I know that that's not what a lot of people want to hear but I I kind of think that that's how you how you do it and I, I, um that's that's what's been killing me right is
1: that I 100% agree with you. Um, I don't think the answer was doing what they did because when you step back and look at it, you just named the big three. You named Gears, Horizon, and Halo. Uh, When I say Horizon, I meant meant Forza, but I think of Forza Horizon. That's why I said that. I'm sorry. Uh, No, you're good. But they have so many fantastic studios under their belt. And they're not an. I, who am I to say that they're not investing enough into them? Because I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. But just recently, like, even with the acquisition, like, even if you want to group the Bethesda Zenimax acquisition into it, and you look at uh, Arcane and Ed Software, ID Software, whatever, uh, you look at those. But then you look at Rare and Playground themselves and Ninja Theory and Obsidian. Uh, you have so many studios that have infinite possibility because you have this fuck you money to just throw out to them. You can help them develop some of the craziest stuff we've ever seen. And maybe they are, but the impatience of just going out and saying, I don't know why they did it. I don't have any clue. But when I'm looking from the outside in, I 100% agree with you that it should have been ground-up studios, stuff that they already own. Make a new studio. you know. That's, I think we were actually joking about it sometime recently, within the past few months, that will Xbox announce a new uh, ground-up studio. Maybe that was your prediction last year. Was that correct?
0: Yeah, that was my prediction yeah. for last year.
1: And fuck, now I wish they would have. Instead of doing this, uh, they just have so many great developers – um, inside of their roster already, and I don't feel like enough is coming from them. Uh, I'm not going to say that they're not being supported because I know they are, but and it's not even like a lack of faith on their part. It's just I don't... I don't... It's like what you were just saying with the last duel in my eyes. I don't see enough advertising for them or enough... Uh, <laughs> turnaround, like enough of a product for us to see. Instead, we're just going to go and we're going to fucking buy the world. Right. It started with Mojang and then it went to ZeniMax. Now it's Activision Blizzard. Like what's next? And I mean, it's really disheartening. I'm not going to lie just to sit and think about because I I feel like not a lot of their first party studios are getting the recognition or love that they deserve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I 100% agree with you. Um, where I think I am starting to get, I, I think a little bit annoyed is the fact that, uh, they're using their money to buy more or less established IP. Like they're not, they're not going out to, um, create like buy studios that are able to create new stuff they're going out to buy stuff that is already owned and i think part of the problem with that is when you look at what really it comes down to is exclusivity right like and i think that if you kind of take this away from uh from like PlayStation players or, or what have you, I think that you end up, uh, unfortunately, um, kind of fucking a whole bunch of people out of stuff that they have already enjoyed, uh, to, to a degree. Right. Um, and I think that that fucking sucks. uh, I don't know. So uh, what do you think of
1: Phil saying about how hit, like, the goal is not to pull communities away from their respective areas?
0: So I think that that's fine marketing speak, but I kind of think that that's bullshit. Because, w- uh, well, so it's twofold, right? I think that you, to a degree, that is their plan. Because I think that they would be stupid to pull, like... call Call of duty sells 30 million copies pretty much every year right like it ends up topping out at around 30 million but like call of duty from the date that it comes out until just about the the next year when the new one comes out is a top 10 bestseller all year round every month it's in the top 10 of the mpd Uh, again until uh, until probably like if the game launches in say like october november it probably is out of the top 10 by the time that september hits but like that's a month right like the rest of the year a full 11 fucking months it's out there like in the top 10 of sales that's fucking nuts so i think that you would be on one hand crazy to take that away from a whole lot of people and leave that revenue on the table. But their plan is to get people to subscribe to their service. And how do you do that? By taking away the option from the people who are not able to subscribe to your service. Sony isn't going to like, Sony isn't going to be like, yeah, go ahead, put game pass on our shit. They're not going to fucking do that. So the option is make it exclusive. And it's on Game Pass. So
1: to coincide with that, let's say they didn't make it exclusive. The next Mm -hmm. obvious choice would be to early access, right? Uh, Yeah. So for COD, so what does that look like? Is it early access by a week, a month, a year? I think that's something that they now going forward could absolutely do. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've, I've been on the fence about this. Do you... This coming COD, whatever... What it, I think we were reading what? It supposed to be like Modern Warfare 2 or something? Yeah, I uh, think so. Do you think that one this year coming... Yeah, it is this year, is exclusive? Um, and two parts to that question, if not this year, is there exclusivity? And third part, I guess, next year's COD, is that one exclusive in your eyes? Um... That was a lot of parts i could have i could have done that better for you
0: <laughs> yeah i i think that uh to an extent um i it depends on what the deal goes through right uh because there are deals in place already for exclusivity on um Uh, what am I trying to say here? Call of Duty with, with PlayStation. They're already kind of like exclusivity deals. Yeah. Um, so, with that said, um, I think that uh, I, I think that they have to honor those throughout this year, depending on how long it takes to finalize the deal. Because they they have to go through stuff with... Uh, not only the, the FCC, I think, but they have to go through stuff in the European Union, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. And they have to get it approved through all of these different um, uh, fixes. Uh, so I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure whether they would be able to make that happen this year. Um but I, I do think that it's a matter of, at the very least, slowly rolling that out.
1: Um, cause now that I think about it, I, I know it's not now that I think about it, I fucking know, but they own Warzone too. So, mm-hmm. well, oh God, that's so fucked up. Like, they own what the second biggest battle royale out there. I don't know if that's that or Apex is bigger, but, um, they can also just start like having exclusive shit only on that store too. Uh, there's just so much like that's such a cash cow. Um, when I say exclusive shit, whether it be skins or whatever, I don't know, but I don't, there's just so many questions I have, dude. And you're right. I did forget about the whole, like, I know Sony has exclusive stuff with them. I did forget about that. Um, and yeah, I didn't even because I forgot about it. I didn't even think about how that would play into effect over the next year, however long to, however long it takes to settle this deal, like the the buy itself, and then what goes on after that. I didn't think about that. Uh, and that's all. I feel like that's all we think about, or at least that's all I've been thinking about, is the Call of Duty aspect, right? Because that's such a big thing to have on Game Pass. That's yeah, it's astronomical, right there with Halo. Who would have ever thought that? I it blows my mind but it comes with a lot of different IPs too outside of Call of Duty uh, which do you have another standout IP that you you're either glad or shocked that it's here and it's game pass worthy or like what are they going to do with it like do you have one that stands out to you because i have a question for you if you
0: don't um my oh, hmm i don't i don't know that i have one that particularly uh stands out to me um maybe maybe Spyro or Crash um uh
1: but that's kind of it
0: but yeah but I I think that that's probably kind of it so
1: you had a really good time with the game I don't know if it was last year the year before that I think it was the year before
0: um what do you think about them owning Tony Hawk I mean that's interesting uh but I, I think that the uh the the thing there well I mean here's the thing now that they own this stuff they can actually put it out again. I think Activision had gone all in on Call of Duty. They had pulled um who who was it uh Vicarious Visions that did the Tony Hawk reboot. Yeah. Um and they pulled them to work on what was it was it the Diablo 2 remaster? or or it was something um anyway, and they uh they had pulled like almost all of their other support studios like toys for bob and and all yeah. that stuff they had pulled those to work on call of duty, I think under Microsoft, they have enough money and um support going on to where they could um um I'm blanking on my words right now. They could have like toys from for Bob pull off of that. They have enough resources to let Call of Duty be developed by, you know, um, what the hell? uh, Treyarch and uh,
1: Sledgehammer and uh, Kennedy Ward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They have enough resources to let them go and do their thing on their own. And that's that's. That was my whole thing, is that these companies that just
1: kept getting pulled to do other Call of Duty shit can now be free, right? Toys for Bob was my biggest complaint. Like, when they pulled Toys for Bob to go do that shit and they stopped, like, they did so good with the Reignited Trilogy and even Crash 4. It was fucking amazing. And that's what I was wondering in terms of Vicarious Visions. Um, I just think that there's so much possibility now that hopefully they have the freedom to go be the developer that they wanted to be and not just be a call of duty support studio so Tony Hawk to me is another big franchise that's like I'm not gonna say it's under underlooked I don't think that's true I think a lot of people truly do love it but it's a franchise that it really hit a wall later in its life but it's like now the desire for it's there the desire for like EA making a skate 4 is there uh hugely that's just something that i think a lot of people have wanted for a long time um skateboarding has never really gone away we've just gotten older but it's still really nice to go back and experience those tony hawk games so that was my question to you because i know you really enjoyed the remaster of 1 and 2 was are you excited for the possibility of that because i'm excited for the possibility of what hopefully i fucking pray that Toys for Bob takes over the Spyro franchise. Uh and, you know, continues with Crash whatever. That's just I don't know. That's that's one of those glimmers of hope that I see from it, right? Is that it's not just Call of Duty. They have a lot of really cool opportunities ahead of them right now. Mhm. With the resources that Microsoft has.
0: Yeah, for sure was uh i mean i think that the same question to you right was it was there something that immediately jumped to mind for you as like a one of those games
1: it was definitely spyro um because now for the first time i'm truly like there's always a glimmer of hope right but i think i can actually finally maybe see a spyro four now uh you know spyro is a huge part of my life Uh, uh it just, it's one of those, look, I've been playing Crash 4 recently. They did such a good job with that game, dude. I'm not going to talk about it until I'm finished with it. But just seeing that really gives me, it, it opened my eyes to what they could do with Spyro. Um, they kept it so true to Crash Fashion and just made it absolutely amazing And what I've played thus far. And just thinking of what they could do, like keeping Spyro true to its form, it was that was the first thing I thought of. Um, when I when I finally got over the initial you know stomach sinking factor of that just happened, I was like, well, let's think of some good that came of it. So Spyro was one of them. But then, uh, so it's one that we've kind of touched on here and there. Um, we were joking about it in the group chat, but World of Warcraft going to Game Pass is a very real opportunity for the game to have a new player base, um, a stronger player base, just like the old days. And I'm hoping that with the right resources, maybe we can refocus on how WoW should be going forward in the coming expansions. Dude, what wouldn't it be some shit if they just shut it down? Oh my God, I didn't even think of that. That's not going to happen. It's fine. It's, it's, it's just something that it's another possibility that I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And then we were talking about it I don't see it happening, but we were talking about world of Warcraft on consoles because we see the capabilities with ESO or final fantasy 14. And it's something that I completely downplayed at first. I was like, ah, oh, no, it's not going to happen. But then, you know, you were kind of saying how the, the key binds have worked for final fantasy 14 with world of Warcraft. When I think of like high tier raid content, I think of fucking dozens of keys are needed uh, or just macros or stuff like that. But I don't know how that would really work with WoW, but it's there. It's a possibility. Anything to increase the player base, I think is fantastic just to give players a shot at experiencing it. I know it's not for you and it's most certainly not for everyone, but I think it's a story that's really good and should be enjoyed. Uh, So now that Blizzard has the resources backing them, hopefully to get back on track to where the game should be. Um, and maybe opening up to game pass will give you know players extra incentive to try it i that's just another one dude there's there's game studios that i'm glad have another shot if that makes sense uh overwatch <laughs> i mean it just keeps going cuz i'm a, i'm not an activision fan i'm a blizzard fan um and we were talking in the discord the other day about how does this open up a possibility for maybe not having an Overwatch 2 and it just going straight to updates? Like, there, there, there was a lot of possibility and hopes that I started having after all of this uh, happened and after I got over the initial kind of mm, bitterness I had towards the acquisition in the first place. I was like, well, let me think of some highlights, and that was it. Um, they started to kind of unfold for me, but one of the highlights for me, I think outside of gaming was knowing that all of this bullshit that's happening right now through the Activision, Blizzard, I'm not going to say scandal, but it's like just their employees are going through hell and high water. And it's like now with Microsoft stepping in as like the daddy company there. And I, I feel like finally, and even in the tweets that I've seen from Xbox, I think I sent one in the chat the other day. It's like they're making it very clear that they're not only going to make gaming inclusive and safe for everyone, but they're making the job place safe and inclusive for everyone. That's something that they've really dialed in on. So that was the, that was the biggest highlight truly was knowing that maybe this can all be behind us and, and, and not to like sweep it under the rug or anything, but just when I say that, I mean, make these employees finally feel like they have an environment that cares about them and they don't have to fear for their safety of any sort. That was, Mm -hmm. that was really reassuring. Um, I know Phil Spencer is going to do great as his, uh, in his new position um, as fucking Supreme Overlord at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I don't know, man, there, there's a lot of good that came from it, even though for an industry standpoint, maybe it wasn't the best, but I think this gives a lot of developers extra support and it gives developers reassurance that they're okay in their job place. Mm -hmm. Um, A question I wanted to pose to you (sighs) so I'm not going to say that Zenimax was necessarily in a bad place when Microsoft bought them last year, but I think that they had kind of uh, a little bit of a bad image, like between, you know, them and Bethesda and everything like they, they had really fallen from grace from the time that Skyrim was released until, you know, when the acquisition happened, I feel like they had fallen from the Bethesda that we all knew and loved. Um, Whether you loved Skyrim or you hated it, like that was, that was peak Bethesda and everything that came before that, like Fallout 3, um, Oblivion, all that. Like, that's the Bethesda that we fell in love with. And then as the years went on, it really started to trickle away. Like, Fallout 4, for what it was, fine. Shelter, fine. What was the, what was the little fucking free roam game or whatever it was? The 76? I, I, yeah, I don't even yeah, know what yeah. the kind of game it was. Um, I don't know. There was just a lot of negativity there. But when Microsoft bought them, it's like, oh, maybe there's hope now. Like uh, like the studios will have the backing and the support that they need. Um, and then fast forward. Let's, let's just skip past that. But let's go to Activision Blizzard now. Activision Blizzard has been in a very shitty place in terms of personnel and just degradation of some of the games that we knew and love. Overwatch being one of them. Call of Duty is sucked ass for who knows how long. Um it's been in a bad spot. So do you feel like Microsoft is throwing these companies life jackets and like it's like here, let us buy you and help you?
0: Um uh, I mean, maybe to an extent uh that's the case. Um I I I, I don't know. Uh I, I think I think to an extent that, that definitely has to have something to do with it. Right. Um, but I don't know that that's, uh, necessarily the case because I, I do think that even though Bethesda definitely was in a position that was worse than ideal, I think that you could make the argument that they, they didn't need to be bought. I, I think you could make the argument that they were in a in a well-off enough position to where they didn't necessarily need Microsoft to come in, but Microsoft gave them such a big number that they were like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll, right. we'll take that. Um I think I look at this as more of a we need to fill out our portfolio for game pass type thing. Yeah. So it's all about monetization. Yeah. Yeah. And when you, something that, that, uh, um, Justin has brought up almost continuously in the discord, uh, is that, uh, there is, um, something to be said about, um, uh, mobile, Like how, how much mobile, uh, comes into play here because when you think about like where we're at in terms of, um, like monetization, right? Like when, when we start thinking about all the things that, um, game companies are looking for and, and stuff of that nature, you really start getting into they're trying to make money and what's making money right now. Free to play uh, microtransaction heavy, like mobile games or Fortnite clones or, or what have you. And Microsoft didn't have one of those, but now they have call of duty mobile, which is apparently incredibly popular in China. Something that I was unaware of. Yeah. Uh, And King, who is the candy crush manufacturer or not manufacturers developers. Um, and I, I think they make some other stuff too, but like candy crush is fucking huge with a ton of people still. Uh, and when you think about what they're offering with like call of duty being monetizable, obviously, you know, skin packs and battle passes and shit like that. And then you, you look at their foray into the mobile now it becomes i think a lot more clear that what they're after is building out a portfolio that will get them a lot of money and in, in the end um yeah i'm that's where i'm at with it i don't know that it's necessarily them looking to get um so uh <laughs> like instead of it, floundering people
1: right so instead of it being like a here we're throwing you a life vest come aboard you're going to be okay it's like instead they're throwing a harpoon at an already dying whale and they're like give me your resources
0: <laughs> yeah yeah kind of that that's probably a good way to it. <laughs> it's they're, a they're uh they're thinking to themselves well we don't have life jackets but there is this whale over here who's right running, so let's ride on it <laughs> Right. Uh, No, it's just one of those things where, you
1: know, I kind of hope for the good in a company. Uh, I do think Phil Spencer is a fantastic CEO. I think. Oh, yeah. I think he is probably the best to do it. Um, And there's a part of me that still thinks at the end of the day, it's like. Maybe they didn't buy them. To help them, but now that they have them, they're going to help them type of thing, Uh, which I feel like is it is not by any means equally respectable, but it's still respectable that I think they're about to sincerely like buckle down and take out the trash when it comes to all this shit that's been going on over there and fuck you, Bobby Kotick. I just needed to say that one time in this episode.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so let me ask you this because I think, um, I think this raises or is a question that is, is raised is what do you think the implications of this are for other publishers? Like, do you think with, with Microsoft buying as much stuff as they are buying, do you think that Sony and Nintendo have to respond? And if they, if they do have to respond, right. uh, uh, Who, like, how do you, uh, like, how do you combat something like this?
1: That's that's been one of my biggest burning questions. T- t- just just overall, when it comes to Nintendo, no, I personally don't feel like they have a horse in this race. Like Nintendo is just Nintendo. It's mm-hmm. it's one of the big three, but it's at the end of the day, when you buy a Switch, what are you buying it for? Uh, mm-hmm. You're buying it for Mario, Zelda, Pokemon, Animal Crossing, Metroid, um, and it can be argued that yeah you do have people like even sabrina right now is playing skyrim on the switch uh you know austin's playing hades um, actually i think he's playing hades on the xbox but whatever you know there there's there's definitely third-party games on there but for the most part, nintendo switch owners are buying it for nintendo products i would argue uh and i don't feel like they're threatened but when it comes to sony that's been the side that i've really had to sit and think about um I said it earlier, but I think that Sony has a lot of great... It has what Microsoft doesn't. It has the first-party titles. It has the God of War and the Horizon and Uncharted and Days Gone and you know all of this stuff under their belt. So I, in that regard, I feel like if I was Sony, I wouldn't worry too much. They, I think Microsoft has a lot of shit under their belt now. But what Sony has is more refined. Now the argue argument can be made that, you know, what's the point of buying the PlayStation? Like I could emulate their games or so on and so forth. And that's true. But what does Sony buy? If they truly wanted to match what Microsoft is doing, what could they possibly buy to make it exclusive? Like we were talking earlier, is it EA EA is the next biggest thing. Does Sony have that much money to throw at EA to buy them? And when they do, what do they get? They get Battlefield. They get FIFA, Madden, uh, all that shit. Is that worth it? Like to have recurring sports games and a floundering FPS at best? Um, I know a lot more comes with EA than that. I don't want to make it sound like that's all they're good for, but that's their cash cow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And outside of that, you know, we look away from EA. We look at Ubisoft. They could get fantastic franchises within Ubisoft, but it's nothing to rival what Microsoft just did. There's no call of duty there's no fucking what i mean sh- let's just leave it at that there's no call of duty. there's no shooter that would yeah. be like amazingly uh just you know prominent to rival that acquisition um The biggest one to me would be the biggest one that I think would be. I think there's one that's guaranteed. I'll skip that. But take two to me is pretty fantastic. Uh, you get Grand Theft Auto, which is a, a gigantic cash cow. Like it's, oh, yeah. it, it's, it's there. They're about to re-release it on the new gen consoles anyway. Um, And R- Rockstar has said, and I think they've said, let me not go too far with this. That's actually bullshit. I think this was, more like a rumor that they said that grand theft auto six will be the only rockstar game release this generation. I don't know if that's true or not. I read that somewhere recently. Um, Mm. but if that's the case, exclusivity, could make that a fantastic monetization option for Sony. Um, outside of that, there's red dead. Um, and with take two also comes borderlands. So something about borderlands that's pretty cool is that it's a very unique game. Um, there's very few things like it in my opinion and they're about to release an even weirder game within the franchise meta i guess with tiny tina's wonderland that's it's still got the core concepts of borderlands but it's also completely unique too Mm -hmm. so something i thought about is imagine having take two under your belt as sony and taking the borderlands franchise and instead of I mean, of course, you're still going to make Borderlands 4 and whatever else comes with it. But imagine making like an Overwatch style game with the Borderlands concept. Um, It's I know that's just like me spitballing ideas, but uh, stuff like that's there. Anyway, I think Take-Two is a great monetization option for Sony. Um, But the biggest one that makes sense is the Square Enix uh, acquisition. That's they have such a fantastic working relationship with Sony already. I feel like this one even before Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard, this was a matter of uh when, not if that it was going to happen. I feel like Square is most definitely sometime in the future going to be a Sony exclusive um company. Now hmm. I don't think that that helps that like that just gives them more, you know, single player narrative driven games it gives them just another bit of what they're good at the point of all of this me talking about all of this was saying that i don't know how sony can respond i don't know i think that they absolutely need a subscription based service of their own i truly do i don't call it whatever the fuck you want i think it absolutely needs to happen it Xbox has a very unique hold on the gaming world right now because they have the only Netflix-style service of offering games to you for a subscription price of blank price every month, and you get to play this just absolutely astounding roster category of games. No one else can do that. Uh, PlayStation Now is kind of there, but at the same time, it's not.
0: Yeah. It's also shit tier.
1: Like it is, it's not good. Like I accidentally bought it. It's my stupid ass fault, dude. I just got a PS five. I was excited. I went in to buy a PlayStation plus card. I bought a PlayStation now card. So I was like, fuck it. I mean, I can't return it. So I just used it. I, I, I didn't download anything or play anything from it. I just felt like it was a waste of my money. Um, that's one way that I feel like they need to proceed though, is finding a solution to match what, or at least try to match what Game Pass does, but I don't know what they can acquire at this point outside of EA uh, to even make a difference, to even have something that rivals Call of Duty. I mean, Battlefield would be the only thing, right, because they can't buy Halo, and, I mean, Destiny's there, but it's kind of like, I think even, I think Justin wound up saying it, Destiny's just a different kind of game. It's not a Call of Duty. Um yeah now you can look individually at games such as apex or fortnite i don't see that happening (laughs) whatsoever um apex is a lot more probable than a fortnite but i don't know how they can respond to this i think what sony does they do really really well i think they have had uh a really great streak of what they're doing right now like I know the PS5 doesn't have a lot of great exclusives on it at the moment, at least ones that didn't come from last generation. Um that's about to change this year. But Sony just does a great job at what they do. Um I don't want to see them go the way of the Dreamcast or Sega in general. I, I never want to see that happen. I am worried uh for the future of where we're at <laughs> because of this buying power that Microsoft has, but what do they buy to help with where they're at? I think what they need is a subscription based service, like I said, and just some kind of shooter to now rival the Game Pass, Call of Duty, and Halo that we have. It's that's where the money's at. Um, I don't know, man. What do you think?
0: Um, so this is going to be a, an opinion that I don't think a lot of people are actually going to agree with. I think Sony's in a better position than Microsoft is, uh, in terms of, uh, almost everything. <laughs> I, I know that th- th- that sounds weird because everyone's like, well, they gotta, they gotta get game pass and they gotta do this and they gotta do that. And I, understand that but i also think that when you look at like how long it takes for like these sort of i i mean you you said it right netflix style whatever they are very very notorious like notoriously difficult to get going and get profitable um and Microsoft is trying to grow a subscription service and I don't know that they're going to be in a position anytime soon, probably especially with these acquisitions now, because this is 69 billion fucking dollars. That that's a fuck ton of money. Um, and when you take that into account, when are you going to make game pass profitable? How are you going to do that? And at the end of the day, I know that there are some people who are saying like, Oh, well, you know, it doesn't need to be profitable right now. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe so because you are just getting your legs underneath you. But at the end of the day, Microsoft is a shareholder, uh, like owned company. It's a publicly owned company, right? The shareholders want to see a return on their investment at some point. And if, if you're dumping all of your money into game pass as your subscription service kind of the way that they have you know with with uh azure and with um uh you know like the microsoft office suite and stuff like that i think that sooner or later it's shit or get off the pot and you have to you have to make it known that this is going to work right now we haven't seen that it's going to work. We don't know that it is profitable. Like, and if you continue to buy these studios, like when, when do you hit that point? Because again, $69 billion is nothing to fucking sneeze at. It might be chump change to Microsoft, but it's still fucking like a significant amount of money. Right. Um, I don't know. I. The the reason that I say that Sony, I think, is in a better position is because Sony doesn't have to worry about being profitable right now. They're literally unable to get consoles to people. People still can't buy PS5s. And uh, you could make the argument that that's because of scalpers or whatever. But like uh, to what I would say to that is like scalpers don't just buy them to sit on them. Scalpers buy them to sell them. Like, at, at a certain point, <laughs> like, scalpers are going to have to unload their shit because they're not making profit from them at a, you know, again, at a, at a certain point. So these are in the hands of a lot of people. And I saw, uh I don't remember w- which Instagram it was, but I saw, like, a story the other day that had a poll It was like, do you have your hands on a PS five yet? And it was much closer to 50%, uh, than when I was trying to get my, my PS five, when I was trying to get my 15, uh, like my PS five back in, uh, like December ish, 2020, like January, February, 2020, whenever the fuck it was. Um, there were a lot more people like, are a lot less people saying that they had theirs. Like there were a lot of people in like the the closer to like fifteen percent range who had one, yeah. but now it's a lot. It's a lot more. I-, I know that those are like anecdotal numbers or whatever, but my my point is is they still can't get the PS5s out to, out to customers to the point that they're having to not halt p or like not halt the ps4 production like they had originally planned to cut that off and now they're like no we we kind of can't do that because we can't get ps5s to people like the demand is so fucking high not only that but you have an insane array of studios who they may not sell like call of duty numbers but like what was it that uh that miles morales was like the best-selling ps5 game of December. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And and not only that, but, like, the the PS4 Spider-Man sold, if, if I'm not mistaken, almost 20 million copies. Like, they're not doing Call of Duty numbers, sure, I get that, but where Sony is at is way more sustainable than what Microsoft is doing, in my view. And I don't think that they need to do anything. I don't think that they need to go out and buy Square Innings. And... If I'm being honest, I would hate to see them buy Square Enix because I don't want to see Nintendo lose Bravely Default or Project Octopath or Triangle Strategy or whatever. I don't want to see Xbox lose Final Fantasy. I know that we haven't had one since 15, but like. I don't want. Sony to be the only place that people can play final fantasy. I think that's fucking shit. I, I kind of hate exclusivity. Uh, I know that that's how you, how you sell your box. I, I get that, but I, I kind of feel like that is to an extent anti-consumer and I, I kind of fucking hate that. Um,
1: so what do you think those numbers for miles morales and spider-man look like outside of the holiday season because if you're getting a ps5 that's a staple game that you get
0: oh yeah for sure
1: and i don't know like i i 100 i see what you're saying um another issue that playstation has getting consoles out the door is the semiconductor chip uh chip shortage oh yeah for Um, for sure um so that's another part of it but
0: i don't know man like let me let me put it to you this way. So you brought up Square Enix and buying S- Square Enix, right? Let me ask you this: You're already getting exclusivity from Square Enix with Final Fantasy Seven uh, remake, right? They just renewed that deal, so it's not coming to anywhere that PlayStation doesn't have a part in. Like PlayStation owns part of Epic, so they're getting money from sales of Final Fantasy Seven on. On Epic. They just renewed their license for a a, a continued exclusivity of seven remake. They have a hold on um, Final Fantasy 14 that hasn't come to anywhere except for PC and uh, console, right? Well, sorry, PC and, and PS4 and PS5. So you're getting these exclusivity deals already Why do you have to buy Square Enix when you can continue to just put the money into these exclusive deals until you've basically bled it dry, in which case you say, okay, yeah, you can have Final Fantasy VII Remake on the Xbox five years later when no one wants to fucking play it anymore. Right? Yeah. I I feel like there's just so
1: much... Again, they're all single-player games. Like, they're narrative-driven games, but I feel like outside of Final Fantasy... And I get what you're saying. You could just funnel it into exclusivity to where you can only release it on this console. But if you just outright bought them, like, they come with so much more than just Final Fantasy, like the Marvel games that are coming out. Oh, yeah. I know you have Uncharted, but, like, Tomb Raider and Dragon Quest. Fucking imagine, I don't know. I see what you're saying. Like, you could just keep continuing to make sure the games come out only on your console, but at what point doesn't it just become easier just to outright buy them and make them a just a uh, a partner i guess you could say
0: yeah yeah no i i feel that uh and and i think that you could make the i think you could rightfully make the argument that if they were to buy them it would actually be cheaper in the long run i think that that's a valid argument but i think that Here's something that I I kind of wanted to get into with Microsoft continuing to buy all of these studios. I feel like at a certain I keep saying that phrase. I need to find something else. <laughs> <laughs> at at a certain point, right? People are going to start getting pissed at Microsoft doing this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm already kind of there.
0: Yeah, and and what so what does that say to like like your 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 player base, whereas Sony is being a little bit more open and being like, "Hey, uh, you know, we do have exclusives ex- exclusives or whatever, but like, we're not gobbling up studios. You can still go and play Final Fantasy Fifteen on your Xbox One." Like, at, at what point do, is that their sort of like their, uh, for lack of a better term, like their rallying cry? They they're like look, Microsoft's taking all this shit away from you. Like, and we're not buying, you know, publishers wholesale. Look, we're actually your friends. And I know that that's not really what the case is, but like they could use that as their, their sort of like, PR strategy,
1: right? And that's something that's very much in their arsenal, because if you look back to when uh, the Xbox One was released and that whole stunt that they did at E3 where it's like, hey, if you want to share a game, this is what you do. And they just handed the game to another friend. You remember that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this is absolutely something that I feel like they could pull if they wanted to, but... So if Microsoft continues to do this, unfortunately, let's just even if they didn't, let's just say even as of right now and they own all the shit that they own. It's like at the end of the day, Sony does have to make money. And do you feel like I mean, it 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 not words only go so far. Right. Um, and you can rally people to your cause. Shit. I would rally with them because it's like, yeah, fuck you, Microsoft. Stop buying everything. But it's like. Microsoft's about to turn around and make a fuck ton of money from this, whereas oh, yeah. I mean, it's like at what point does the message become convoluted and now we're looking at a another PS3 situation where it didn't exactly sell as good as the uh, uh, what's the one the 360?
0: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah,
1: um, or whatever. I don't know, man. It's like this is th- for this is shaken literally everything about the gaming world right now because there's so many questions um do you feel like it's in um do you feel like it's okay to say nintendo can kind of safely step away from this like they don't have to worry about anything and maybe even from your perspective sony doesn't have to either but do you feel like Nintendo nintendo's even higher off that perch uh
0: i think yes and no um and the reason that I say yes and no is because currently Nintendo does really rely heavily on their first party. True, like their I think their top ten bestsellers, eight of them are first party titles, or nine of them are first party titles, some shit like that. But. They do have relationships with the likes of Ubisoft and Square and some of their bigger titles that would come out in a given year would be these third party titles. And I do think that um, if Microsoft and Sony continue to, well, not Microsoft and Sony, but if Sony were to jump into that fray, right? and the two of them are gobbling up studios, I think Nintendo would have something to worry about. Uh, it's probably to a lesser degree than even Sony because a lot of people, they buy a switch and what they're playing is the first party. Like right. I, I, I would say nine times out of 10, that is what they're doing. Right. But I, I do think that there are people like me who I, I don't want Sony or Microsoft to buy Square Enix because I do like, the ability to play again bravely default triangle strategy fucking uh octopath traveler that sort of shit i like playing that on my switch like i i think that it feels at home there um and i i would hate to see that taken away um
1: (sighs) it's a a lot of shit to unpack
0: yeah yeah i was trying to think of uh, of the question that you asked me you were uh, you asked if if nintendo has the same problem uh i i don't think that they necessarily do um i i do think that in in many ways they are in a similar position to sony where i i think that they maybe do have to consider buying some some studios or or at least like approaching the subject of like, Hey, let's do business together in sort of a more long-term sort of situation. Um, not outright acquisition. Uh, but I do think that that's something that they at least have to consider because even with, um, just first party titles, I, I, I do think that there are enough games out there, uh, that people care about that aren't first party titles for nintendo. Um that I I feel like I just talked in gibberish for like the last five minutes. No, you didn't, but something I was trying to figure
1: out is because when I think of nintendo obviously stupid, I can think I can name every first party title. But what do you think their biggest third party title is? Uh
0: I mean, I would, I would say would,
1: it comes down to those square titles.
0: I I mean, if it were to come down to those square titles, it, it it's probably the uh, probably the bravely series because i think I do think that those are pretty big sellers for them yeah even dragon Uh, quest
1: i know dragon quest is on all the other consoles but i know it's heavily played on the switch as well
0: yeah yeah and i i think that um uh
1: monster hunter
0: uh yeah who who does monster hunter
1: uh capcom
0: capcom okay yeah
1: um wow that's a franchise that i completely forgot about people (laughs) if they wanted to buy anything they could buy capcom that comes with a lot of shit too
0: yeah yeah uh i I was gonna say they they have a pretty pretty nice um relationship with ubisoft as well like they even have the co-developed or or maybe it is a straight ubisoft developed um mario Rabbids game oh yeah And, and i know that that sold pretty well people really liked that title um, I don't know. Uh, I think that to to that sort of like that line of, of questioning, right? I think that we're looking at like consolidation within, within the industry. And I think that it, we're looking at how it affects like the devs and, and by extension how that affects us. But I do want to bring up something that I don't think... W- we may have touched on it, but I don't think that we've gotten like talked about in earnest yet. And I want to ask you, how do you think that this affects games? Because as of right now, we don't see, I I, I don't think that there is a um, definitive, like this is how this acquisition itself affects games. But I I think with broader implications on, game pass itself um i do want to get your take on like so obviously um we're looking at like call of duty becoming a game pass title stuff like that i guess my question is how do we um uh how do you think that it will affect uh even like game development uh for the studios that have already been acquired, like, do you think that call of duty becomes a, um, (coughs) excuse me. Do you think call of duty becomes a, um, like a free to play title? So
1: when I think of this question, I have to think of it as two different entities, right? Because when we think of this acquisition that happened, we think that, okay, it came with a lot of uh, games and developers and stuff like that. But ultimately, the first thing that everyone thinks about is Call of Duty. And then it's like, oh yeah, but then there's all these other games, right? So... Mm-hmm. That's a really tough question, because I feel like Call of Duty, at this point in time, I think if if we just look at Phil Spencer himself, that man's a smart motherfucker, and he knows games, and he knows the uh, communities that you know, exist in kind of the hive mind mentalities of a lot of people. Call of duty is, I'm not going to say it's past its prime because it's still one of the top selling games every year, but it's definitely in a rut. Um, at
0: least creatively,
1: creatively, it is most definitely in a rut because I mean, you can absolutely innovate call of duty, but they haven't and they try, but it's really minimalistic things. Um, so I'm going to branch off of this real quick because Justin and I were talking about this with Overwatch um, personally, and I think he was in agreement. We would like to see the idea of an Overwatch 2 being canceled and instead make Overwatch an ongoing game such as Apex Legends and you just update the game. Uh, update it with that cooperative story that you said was coming or just a story in general. You know, uh, we don't need a whole new game for a, a couple of new additional heroes or maps or whatever. We don't need an Overwatch 2 for that. So back to Call of Duty. We really do not need a new Call of Duty every single year because yes. ultimately it's the same thing. I think what Warzone does is great because seasonally, well not seasonally, yearly it updates its map. We go from having a modern warfare map to now we're back to the Pacific. You know, we're in that World War II setting. So with Call of Duty, make Call of Duty, Call of Duty. And each year, cycle out the fucking uh, period of war that you want to be in. You don't have to charge us for a brand new game, charge us for the battle packs, charge us for the skins, charge us for fucking whatever you want to charge us for because I know you're going to. But don't make us shell out $70 for a reskin game of the same thing and call it something new. I think that's the worst way to go. And again, I think Phil Spencer is smarter than that. I truly do believe that when this is settled and once we move past the exclusivity, like you were saying, I think we see Call of Duty become become a singular game, Um, at least in terms of their arena shooter. I feel like Warzone will always exist Maybe they group them together. I don't know. But I think Call of Duty as we know it will absolutely change. Um so before I go off that, do you agree?
0: Uh yeah, I, I actually kind of think that this is uh in a way the way that Microsoft gets a battle royale out. Yes. So I, I think to to that extent, yes.
1: <sighs> um So if we look past Call of Duty, I think, I mean, it's like what we were just saying. Um, The companies that were pulled away from what they were doing to go be a support company for Call of Duty, like Toys for Bob, or you said Vicarious Visions got pulled away as well.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. I I could be wrong, but I I think that they went to go work on that Diablo 2 remake. And I could
1: see that being a thing because didn't they work on the original? Uh, Diablo 2? Uh, I think maybe. so, yeah. So that being the case, I feel like these developers are now... They're free to be what... I, I think I said this earlier in the podcast. I feel like they're free to be what they set out to be. Um, I truly think that Toys for Bob gets like a a breath of fresh air and they can go and they can develop these great games. And maybe they can even develop an original IP, um, such as uh, who, who like, Oh, like this is going to switch over to Sony, but I was trying to think like how Bluepoint gets to go and create their own brand new ground up IP now, right? Like maybe toys for Bob can do something similar. I think with the power of Microsoft financial assistance backing you, you can do a lot with your games, especially if you, if you approach someone like fucking Phil Spencer, dude, he just, that man, he just knows the gaming industry. I mean, he is fucking fantastic. And I will sing his praises till the day I die. God forbid something ever controversial happen with him, dude. Cause then we have to go back and delete this podcast. But, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but until then, I think that all of these companies that the acquired have unlimited capabilities now. Um, I, w- I want to see more if, I mean, shit, if you're doing this, then do it right. Like w- w- at least take what you and I were talking about earlier in the episode, make original IPs with these new French uh, developers that you've acquired. You know, if, if, if Toys for Bob can't do Spyro 4, or Crash 5, whatever, let's fucking see something, right? Let's, I mean, I want to see a ground up something from toys from, uh, toys for Bob. Uh, who else are they just quiet? Like blizzard themselves, please God help blizzard get their games back to how they used to be. I'm not going to say overwatch is bad. It's just, you know, it's fallen off a little bit, especially with all the controversies that were happening. Um, it kind of took a beating, but, let's stop making overwatch 2 and let's 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 be realistic. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just make it a continuous game. That's what we as players want now anyway. That's why these battle royales are doing so fucking good is because they have consistent updates and we don't have to shell out 70 dollars for a new game that we have to start all over on. We don't have to do that. Uh Fortnite, Apex, Warzone, like they're great. I know they're all battle royales, but you can you can take this concept and you can apply it to games that are already great, like overwatch and call of duty. Um, but Jesus, dude, you have a monster in world of Warcraft sitting there just waiting to be fucking helped. Please. Um, get it back to how it used to be. Like if, if these developers come to you and they say they need something, shit, Microsoft fucking help them. (laughs) Like it's, it's such a great acquisition that they had, like because I feel like these developers who have been struggling can finally get the help that they've wanted. Like if you have an unlimited cash cow sitting there just ready to be milked, then fucking use it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. U- ultimately, to answer your question is, I feel like in terms of games themselves, I feel like there's a significant change coming to the games that we're very. Uh, very accustomed to like call of duty and overwatch. I feel like significant changes will definitely happen there. And I feel like for the devs that have the, mm, the know-how, the power, the want to, the drive to create something now have the ability to do that. Um, And I feel like they ultimately will feel safer in their jobs and shit. I think that will change everything. I mean, that in itself, I mean, imagine like, you go If you go into work every single day and you're fearful of what will happen in your job place, are you going to do your 100% best? No, <laughs> you're probably not. But like if you feel like you're going into a place where you're appreciated, loved, cared about, like taken care of, then maybe your out, output will be a little better and we can start to see uh, some significant changes in the the product that they're giving us.
0: Yeah, that is definitely one of my hopes as well. Um and, and I I do want to say Tawny brought up a uh, a very nice point to me. Uh, we had a conversation in a in a separate Discord, but um, he brought up the fact that like the and this is something th- this is actually an argument that I absolutely fucking hate. <laughs> but but I I think that like um, in a way he is correct, and he said when you think about what they're doing with game pass, they're going to have these big AAA, a like, like super long tail, um, like games, like their call of duties or their halos and stuff like that. And the money that is poured into them is going to, uh, trickle down and they'll be able to fund smaller projects. And I think he is correct at the very least to an extent. He is correct. My argument is something that is uh, a little bit more cynical, (laughs) and that is that... um, All the smaller shit gets forgotten. At a a certain point, that smaller shit gets forgotten. I I, I don't think that... When when people are playing fucking Fortnite for six years straight, right? Epic isn't going to put more money into, like, uh, what what's a smaller Epic game? I, I don't even know of one
1: off the top. Uh, yeah, I can't name one. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm going to be but honest with you. Th- they used to do a whole bunch of stuff, right? They don't really kind of, I guess, do that anymore. But like, let's say that they did have a, a smaller title, right? Let, let's let just say that, that that is something that they, they did have. At 10 years of people just playing Fortnite, like and they're seeing where the money goes do you think they're still going to continue to pour money into smaller experiences i don't think that they will i think that they'll see their you know businesses are made to make money like at the end of the day and i think if you if you see that your profit is coming from one thing you're going to start to funnel your money into that one thing to make it uh at the very least uh, appealing to more people so you can make more money right and that's that's what i ultimately i'm afraid of with with game pass and how that could affect uh affect development i, I think that's possibly be being cynical um but I, I do think that it's a very real fear and i do think that that potentially leads to a bout of like like less creativity like if you know that you're going to get axed because you're not doing something that makes money why would you not go to that thing that is already making money like if you are uh i don't know how what the fuck they would do with this but like rare right if rare is, well, I, I mean, I guess I could see what they're doing. They, they kind of already did it with Sea of Thieves. But uh, I was going to say, if if you're rare, how do you make an ongoing game, right? Like, how, how do you do that and make it monetizable and blah, 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 blah? I guess I forgot that, you know, they had Sea of Thieves, which is basically already that. Right. Um, but, like, uh, let's take another one. Like, um, okay, let, let's take... Uh, uh, fucking um oh my god what's the name of that studio uh that made we happy view um shit i can't remember the name of that studio. uh compulsion games compulsion that's it how does compulsion make a an ongoing monetizable game right yeah like if if they make a we happy few two or or whatever it is and it isn't making microsoft money they have the potential to axe compulsion just outright you know and if you're compulsion you're thinking to yourselves well how do we keep this from from happening and they end up making you know an ongoing game and at what point do we have too many ongoing games and and everything becomes the same fucking thing and that's really worrying to me um that all said, I started this entire conversation by talking about the point that Tani made, which I think is, is, um, actually a positive one. And that's that I do think that when they have the, the call of duties and stuff like that, they do have the opportunity to make smaller titles like an age of vampires four or a, um, uh, I mean, a a fucking whatever, (laughs) Yeah, and one of the th- I never want to see those
1: smaller studios get overlooked. Truly, because I know they don't outright own. or they not even outright. They don't own Moon Studios, but but like when they released uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps or uh, Ori and the Blind Forest on their platform, I know it wasn't exclusive because it came to the Switch or whatever. But it's like that was a smaller company that I feel like truly needed more. Just, just more backing I guess like they said within one week of Ori being on the uh, within, within it being on the Xbox it was profitable um, Ori is one of my favorite games of all time it was a smaller game a smaller studio that released something absolutely magical and I would hate to see that overlooked because all the money is going to Call of Duties and Halos and whatever else that sucks um, <laughs> it, it's, it's a hard uh, pill to swallow it's possible i hope that you know xbox is very much in the in the business as of right now of making these smaller games i feel like or being really supportive of indie uh, indie devs i guess you could say um i hope i never see that happen like i think tawny uh, the owl makes a really good point and that it's you have these giant monetization machines and all of these you know fucking huge games like call of duty but even your uh, first party games like halo and forza they make a shit ton of money so let this money trickle down and float into the companies that truly do need the help um even looking at you toys for bob and vicarious visions like they're not big developers like uh infinity ward or uh fucking 343 um so they need help too so i don't know uh that's that's a hard one to think about dude because if if they did lose the monetization for the smaller games then we're in a very boring future for gaming
0: yeah yeah i that's that's my that's my biggest fear with all of this and um uh, again that it that is totally possible that that's just be being sick uh, um cynical and that with phil at the head we don't Really have to worry about it all that much uh, because he is, you know, the game guy or whatever. Um, what well, don't say it like that? <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I just think that at a certain point something like that is bound to happen, and um, that is a, a a definitive fear that I have because I do like. Control. I do like, you know, Quantum Break. I do like, uh, fucking. Let me think of another, like, kind of, kind of, like, almost triple A type. Alan Wake. Huh? Alan Wake. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, those are all remedy games, but, like, yeah. (laughs) I I do like those types of games, and I don't want to see them fucking go away. And I. I've heard the argument that the space that that those games fill will be filled by indie devs, and I, to an extent, get that uh, argument, but kind of also, know they won't, because indie devs are not the same as independent developers. Remedy is an independent developer, yes, 100%, but it's not an indie dev. Fucking, they're not... Um, Who's the studio that did fucking Death Store? Uh, I just had deja vu. It, it, it doesn't fucking matter. That they, they're fucking not a two narrow. person studio, right?
1: Acid nerve, just to, if,
0: if, acid, that's acid nerve. Question. That's it. Yep. Yeah, they're like Remedy is not a fucking two person studio, and a two person studio is not going to do what Remedy fucking does. Like they're just not. Unless it takes them fucking twenty years to g- get the game out, right?
1: Yeah, there's a difference between Remedy and Concerned Ape.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, I genuinely don't mean that to, to sound doom and gloom, because I, I do think that there are some potential positives, but I do think that the negatives outweigh the positives. Um, I don't know. Uh, I kind of think that we've gotten a lot out of this is there anything else that you wanted to to say no i mean that's i think we we touched on about everything
1: i mean i'm sure there's something we forgot but that was a lot of ground that we covered and both the good and the bad like like i said ultimately like am i happy about it for the fucking monumental earthquake that it's caused within the gaming industry not really you know all these uneasy questions that we have left i don't appreciate that but at the end of the day like (laughs) at the end of the day uh how
0: fucking dare you microsoft
1: right yeah like i don't need more anxiety in my life especially in the one fucking medium that i actually enjoy and don't have to worry about anxiety and now you're just like hmm am i witnessing a monopoly happening right now uh But I hope this pans out well for the devs who have been, you know, struggling for the past year or no beyond that, uh, working for Activision Blizzard. I hope this is the saving grace that they've needed. It's a breath of fresh air. They enjoy going to their jobs. Like at the end of the day, if I hate everything about this deal, I can at least look at that and say, "Hey, fucking congrats, guys! Like, welcome to a job place that you actually enjoy and feel taken care of." So
0: yeah, that is one hundred percent. I think the biggest the biggest uh, positive to come out of this because it it does look like uh, Bobby Kodak will be out of as CEO once the acquisition is finalized at least that's what uh, reports are saying
1: yes and then they'll answer directly to Phil
0: yeah and and that that is certainly a a good thing Um,
1: I just hate that Bobby Kodak just made a shit ton of money but it's it's what I mean at least he's fucking gone yeah yeah (sighs)
0: um
1: okie dokie
0: yeah so i guess let's uh let's let's move on to uh that uh that that second to last segment (laughs) that we usually have going on uh let's talk about the games we've been playing um i'll let you go first if you'd like yeah
1: because you're gonna talk for a while aren't you (laughs)
0: Uh maybe not a while, but I, I yeah. definitely am going to talk about, uh, at the very least the 2.0 version of the game. So yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. Mine's uh super easy, man. I've been playing a lot, uh, during this little bit of a uh, quarantine that I've had to do. Um, tons of the games on the challenge. Some not on the challenge, but one, I, I said, I wanted to beat three games by the end of January. So far I'm two down. Um, I've beaten Shinobi Striker and I've beaten Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, which is the one I'll talk about today. Uh, So what I've been doing on my Instagram recently is going back and kind of talking a little bit about why I chose the 10 games this year that I did um, and then how Austin betrayed me with my fighting game. (laughs) 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 So I'm three games deep into that. I'm just going to keep going. But um, just to just to rehash that real quick. The reason I chose Crash Team Racing is because I could have chosen Forza or Gran Turismo and I could have played and beaten those in some regard, but CTR was actually the first game as a kid that I truly ever remember beating. Uh, it was just a game that I had gotten from, I think, a blockbuster and then we had rented it and unlike on the last day that I had it, I, I beat it by myself, no help from my family or peers. And it was just a great feeling and it stayed with me all throughout my life. And it kind of gave me this, I guess, newfound love and respect for gaming. I mean, the day that I beat my first game, you know, like of course I played tons of games up until that point, but I never sat from start to finish and beat a game. So that was it. So when I was thinking about the challenges here, I was like, you know, what, what can I do in the racing genre? There is a shit ton of racing games, but it's like, what's different? And then I was browsing through uh, the PlayStation store and I saw that was on sale, you know, when I was trying to figure out these 10 games and I was like, holy shit, like, that's, that's perfect. Let's revisit a game, you know, X amount of years later. And I did, I played it, beat it. It's very short. Um, you know, as a kid, you think everything's a lot longer than it is, or maybe I sucked back then and I, you know, (laughs) it took a lot longer to beat it, but, um, I had a good time with it, man. It was a little frustrating at points. Like there's a lot of RNG that goes into it. Like, you know, it can be said for a good, you know, cart racers in general, but, um, it was definitely like, I, I know at this point in our gaming lives, we should be used to microtransactions and monetization of that sort. But I was really sad to see uh, nitro fueled crash team racing. I was really sad to see that it was full of microtransactions. Like if you wanted extra, skins and racers and characters, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like there's tons of shit that you can spend money on in the game. And uh, I chose to do none of that. Um, I played it and beat it with a single character. I played as a little polar bear, um, I unlocked some characters along the way, all the bosses that you beat, uh, stuff like that. You unlock some carts along the way too. Um, I never felt a need to go outside of my, uh, comfort zone and like buy, shit to race with. They all do the same thing. It's literally just a cosmetic. It felt like the biggest waste of money of my life. Now I see like, I'm guilty of buying Fortnite skins when I played it. But I was always like, you know, getting the comments of why it's just a cosmetic. But I'm like, yeah, it looks cool, dude. Like, you know, that was, that was me. But then I saw the ones in crash. I'm like, who the fuck would buy this? (laughs) Um, but I had, it was, it was a lot of fun. It took me, I'm not even going to lie, dude. It was probably five, six hours to beat it in total. It wasn't a lot at all. Um, but I really enjoyed just reliving the memories going back through and, uh, battling those frustrations. There are some points in the game where you just get absolutely fucked race after race. Like there's a lot of restarting in those games. And Sabrina's like, why do you keep restarting? I'm like, because if I get this fucked on the first lap, I cannot possibly win (laughs) like in advance in order to beat the game. And it was, it was bad sometimes, dude. Uh, but it was, it's just a part of a cart racing game. Um, everything was a lot of fun like the controls felt natural they had an alternate control scheme set up for the new gen if you wanted to uh you can accelerate with r2 which is just what i'm comfortable with or you can use classic controls of accelerating with x whatever um and just the level design it was everything that i remembered uh but better just because they 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 killed it um like sabrina you know, she had a lot of good questions throughout it, but she was just like, is this what you remember and stuff like that? And it was, you know, this is a lot like what I said with Spyro when I was playing it, it took what I thought I was seeing as a kid. And it like, it was actually there. Now, uh, level design was great. Never had issues with the controls. I actually learned stuff like the, the fucking helpful hints it was trying to give you got really annoying until one time I actually learned something and I was like, Oh wait, Wow. These are actually helpful. Um, and it made my racing from then on out a lot easier. Uh, but yeah, man, it was... I mean, there's not really much you can say about a kart racer, right? But it, it hit all the uh, marks that I loved as a kid. And it's game number two down for the year uh, on top of Shinobi Strikers. So a lot of Very fun, Very
0: cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, I've never played the Crash Team Racing, but I've heard some people make the argument that it's the best uh kart racer
1: yeah i don't know if i'd go that far (laughs) uh i truly do think like mario is probably the best kart racer truly but this one's up there dude it's a lot of fun um it's great especially if you can sit down and you know throw the controller to a buddy or now there's online and stuff like that um it's, it's it's a lot of fun. I feel like it's very fair and balanced, especially when you dive deeper into the mechanics that it has, like the one that I really had no idea. But the more apples you collect throughout the race, the faster you go, the more powerful your power ups will be. Now, as a kid, I remember getting apples and then all of a sudden my power ups would be different than, you know, when I initially would get them. But I really never knew why. I don't know why I didn't delve into it as a kid or even now as an adult, as I started playing, I didn't really dive into it. But that was the one little hint that it threw out. And I was like, holy shit, like that changes everything. Like now I'm specifically going for those fucking apples so I can stay fast and I can beat these ungodly, you know, God tier speed uh, NPCs I was going up against. It's a lot of fun. It provides a challenge. RNG is a little bullshit sometimes, but it is good. Like if you have the chance to play it, I wish it was, uh, I wish it was free on the PlayStation plus games like the insane trilogy is, but it's not. But if you could ever get it for like fucking 20 bucks, go for it. Don't pay more than 20 bucks for that game.
0: Okay, it's it's a it's a little short. (laughs) But yeah, uh, well, that's awesome. I I might give it a shot eventually. Um, I do like a good kart racer. Yeah, I mean, it's good. And it kind of I'm not going to say
1: it expands on any crash story, but you get to meet some enemies that aren't really in the other games. Um, And you're racing against classic enemies from those games, too. But, you know, there's a new galactic threat in terms of uh, nitrous oxide, the guy that you have to (laughs) go up against. Uh, it's, It's really fun. I remember as a kid, the feeling of beating him and it was just invigorating and you know, I had tunnel vision throughout the whole game, but by the time that I had gone through the hell that I had gone through to get to nitrous oxide, this time I beat him in the first shot. I, that was in itself. That was a gaming accomplishment because the other bosses throughout the game had given me issues. But when I got to nitrous oxide, it was one, one and done. Like it felt good in its own way. And I was smiling by the end of it. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. But you've been on your own journey.
0: Oh, that I have, man. (laughs) Um, I don't, I kind of don't even know where to begin. Uh, you begin with, uh, reminding us what games you
1: had on that challenge of yours.
0: Yeah. Right. (laughs) So uh, I'll talk about hollow Knight, and I'll probably actually still talk about this a little bit more next week when we have our catch up episode. Um, I put, Initially, I had, uh, Metroid Dread. You, you changed that for me, uh, to Hollow Knight, which I'm not, I'm not, uh, mad at because I, I enjoy Hollow Knight. Um, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but. You're welcome. But the, the change was not, um, what, what you might say unwelcome. Um. Austin. Austin. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, uh, and for whatever reason, my incredibly dumbass decided that it would be a good idea <laughs> for me to finally try an MMO. And I said, I'm going to try Final Fantasy 14. And so I started playing it uh, a little bit after Christmas. Um, And I've become utterly enamored with it. Uh, I think that this game is really, really fucking good. Um, and I totally understand how people get addicted to MMOs. Now I, it's something that I did not understand before. And I think that part of the reason that I didn't understand it is because, uh, uh, I did not have a pleasant experience with WoW. I did not like it. I kind of thought it was boring as shit. Um, And I I think that that's, I guess, where I want to start my my uh, if you want to call it a review. uh, I think that this is a completely different experience from uh, like say, wow, because, uh, this is not an MMO RPG. It is a, um, RPG with MMO trappings. I think that this is far closer to a like mainline. Well, okay. This is something that I have always, I, I don't want to say struggled with, uh, but, I have always considered 14 and 11 lesser titles because they are MMOs. And I now think that that was kind of bullshit of me because they were numbered entries for a reason. Um, and I totally understand why now, if that makes sense, because these, well, I I haven't played 11, so I I can't a hundred percent speak to this, but with the in the case of 14, 14 very much is an MMO that is uh has like the gameplay mechanics of a um, of an MMO. It, it's it's an RPG that plays like an MMO. Um, and what I mean by that is like when I played WoW, a lot of the quests I that I would get sent on felt way more fetchy than they do in this. And this has its fair share. Don't get me wrong. But the, when I got like further and further in this, I started realizing that the fetch quests weren't necessarily fetch quest. They were m- more me moving on to the next story beat. And I, I started enjoying them a lot more than the quest that I was doing in wow. When I tried wow. Um, I, I kind of think that that's an indictment on, on wow, because I, I, I kind of think that the, the story there, and I, I know that the story is like probably not why you play that game, but the story is not nearly as engaging as this one is. And it's funny because I haven't even got to the parts of the story in Final Fantasy 14 that people consider engaging. I think a lot of people think of a realm reborn, the, the 2.0 version of 14. I think a lot of people from what I can gather kind of think it, think of it as the weak uh, link of the overall story. Like a lot of people don't hold it in, as high a regard as the expansions. And I, I can't speak to that because I haven't played that content yet. But what I will say is that if it's better than what I have already played, I am in for a real treat because I do think that the story in this game is engaging enough to where, I wanted to keep playing it the entire time. Um, so th- I guess the next thing that I would want to talk about is h- how it plays. Um, and this is something that I still don't necessarily, I guess, have my head wrapped around. The game is fun to play in that whenever I'm doing stuff inside of a uh, like either a dungeon or like on a mission that is like requiring me to do more like active stuff and use my abilities, it is more fun because it's more engaging. But I also kind of don't know what I'm doing because I don't have the years of MMO experience that other people do. And so I'll get into situations and have absolutely no idea like where I'm going or like how I'm supposed to chain my abilities together and, and stuff like that. Like for instance, I didn't realize that there was a whole line of quests attached just to your class after the uh the stuff that was um the i i I think once you hit the level 20 quests you're technically out of the beginning part of the game uh like there's a whole like set of um how do i want to explain this there's like a whole set of uh quests at the beginning of the game that are basically just getting you acclimated to how the game plays and, and, and stuff like that. And, um, once you get through with those, you start getting into like the actual, like meat and potatoes of the game. Like you start getting into like dungeons and the story and, and stuff like that. And because I was just following the story quests along, I didn't even realize that there were quests tied to my class that would eventually give me abilities. So I was rolling in like the first couple of dungeons having almost literally no idea that I didn't have the abilities that I should have for my character who I'm playing a healer. And like, so there were abilities that I just did not have yet because I had not completed the, uh, like the class specific quests um and i i kind of felt like an idiot because of that um well
1: i mean it's an mmo though there's like there's so much to know and learn and you do have to know your classes and for this being like truly your first one i don't think you're an idiot i mean that's just a part of learning right
0: yeah yeah for sure for sure um but it's also one of those things that I'm like, oh, you should've fucking known that. You yeah. Ask. At the
1: end of the at the like, I'm sure everyone else is like this fucking idiot, <laughs> like in the game. It's there's just there's always a lot though. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm I'm glad you finally found one that at least works for you. At least.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I. I. And I. Again. I. I really do hate to to denigrate WoW because I do know that there are a ton of people that just fucking play the shit out of that game. They fucking love it. It's like their favorite game of all time. And I am 100% not trying to take that away from people. um, Because you like what you like, right? Like my favorite game of all time is a fucking PS one game, right? I, I, I'm in no position to tell you what you can and cannot like, but it was not for me. And the problems that I had with WoW are completely fixed by this game. I am engaged in the lore. I'm engaged with the characters, and I, to a lesser extent, I am engaged in the gameplay. Like I, now that I've gotten my, uh, you start out as a conjurer which becomes a white mage now that I've gotten to the status where I'm a white mage and I've gotten like more abilities. And I, I kind of, I don't, I still don't know if I know like my full quote unquote rotations or whatever, but I, I have found a place with this character that I am like enjoying what I am doing when I am doing it. Like when I, when I've gotten into the, um, the boss battles in this or, uh, like the, the higher level dungeons and stuff like that. I'm having a fucking blast. And I, I sometimes feel like I'm not doing enough because I am just sitting like in the back and, and healing people, but I'm enjoying everything that's happened. Like I'm enjoying the, the process of going through the dungeon and helping people and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and I'm just, I, I really am having a whole lot of fun with it and, uh, I will, I, I'll get into it more next week for sure. When I, when I start talking about the, um, like the, the patch content, because I'm working my way through the stuff that was leading up to, uh, Word which was the first expansion. Um, I'm, I'm working my way up to that stuff right now, uh. I'm not currently there, but it is something that I'm working on. Um, So, yeah, uh, but FF14, ARR, A Realm Reborn, good time. I'm enjoying it.
1: And it's coming back for purchase on the 25th of January. Is that right? Yes, sir. I'm so torn, dude. Um, Everything that you said is how I feel about WoW. I mean... I know it, it wasn't for you, but I mean, God damn if I didn't fall in love with the world and the lore behind it. Uh, I have books on the lore here in the house. It's just, I love it so much. Uh, and I'm glad that, you know, kind of going back to the main topic of the show, I'm glad that maybe it has good backing now to get back to where I would like it to be. But uh, ultimately, Final Fantasy 14 for you is doing that exact same thing that WoW does for me uh, for you. And I know that feeling, and that makes me super happy for you, um, especially like you said, like one of my favorite things to do in Wow is do the dungeons and help other people um, it 's a fucking community game at the end of the day, and it 's one of the only ones like you don 't really have to you know have a headset on and have to be communicating at all times. You can just kind of type and do your thing and be a chill character that helps people out and just, you know, go off and do your own thing if you want to or jump into those dungeons and raids and guilds or whatever is in the game. It's a very unique experience playing an MMO. Um, I think everyone should hopefully get to experience one in their life that they enjoy. Um, Sounds like you found yours.
0: Yeah, Uh, I I think to to speak real quick to, to what you just said about like the whole community aspect of it. Everyone I have found in this game has been so almost obnoxiously ob- obnoxiously helpful like I did not expect to like walk into a dungeon and get someone being like hey just so you know like it looks like you don't have your full ability set if you go and do these quests blah blah like I kind That's of crazy. feel like if I were playing wow like people would be like what the fuck are you doing you dumbass uh, 100% <laughs> I'll say that yeah like
1: especially now because the the player base is so like dedicated they've been there for years like most of the time if you're running a low level character it's your first time or sorry like you yourself it's your first time someone's going to be in that dungeon like you should know your role you should know your class you should know this dungeon by now like they're very uh headstrong and they don't have a lot of wiggle room for learning um but if you do Like it's the player base is a lot better than League of Legends. I'll say that. Um, Fuck. (laughs) Yeah. But you can find that um, side of the player base. It's really nice and friendly. But the fact that it's like that all the time in Final Fantasy, that's a that's a blessing.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's good shit, man. I mean, like I said, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. So. (sighs) All right. I guess. Let's get to our uh, picks of the week and we can get out of here. Um, I didn't write anything down this week. uh, And that's not because I don't have anything, uh, but more so because I've been thinking about what I did want to promote. And this is going to be quite um, uh, probably uh, present. Well, I don't know what I'm going to how I want to phrase this. Uh, basically what I'm going to say is I'm going to pimp our, uh, social medias. That that's what I want to do because, um, I have been actively trying to get that stuff going and, uh, it, um, has been quite, uh, quite a journey for me to do over the last, um, couple of, uh, I guess weeks, uh, we started our tournament Um, and I've, I got out all of our game of the year posts. I haven't, uh, actually gotten to, um, the, uh, posting about like episodes yet. Like that, that is kind of on me, but I have been, uh, actively working on some other stuff that I will hopefully get, get going here soon. Um, so yeah, I kind of just wanted to take my pick of the week and, and promote our socials, uh, which I'll I'll do here in a second once once Dylan has gotten his.
1: Oh no, I definitely don't have one either.
0: Oh okay, okay.
1: Yeah, if anything, just please, I mean, truly check out all of our socials because Josh, I know you were just talking about it, but you know, for me to you, you have been killing it like every day. I will open up Instagram and there is something new from the Culture Bot page. Um, it's been the tournament recently, but even beyond that, you've been going into some of the media that you've been consuming outside of gaming. um, And you're fucking on top of it, dude. So way to go.
0: Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to be one of those, uh, what do they call them, influencers? Yep, that's what you are. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, well... Oh, fuck you to whoever's contaminating our polls right now. Yeah. On the- by
0: the way, fuck you guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> our choices should not be what they are at the last, like, round of what? Eight, four or something?
0: uh Yeah, I think we're down to the final eight. We're at the, uh, what do they call it in the, um, March Madness, uh, the Elite Eight?
1: Yeah, so... You guys are playing some kind of fucky games with us. And just keep in mind that the community has to play whatever game we land on. It's not just the three of us.
0: Yeah. So don't don't pick something stupid.
1: <laughs> yeah. And we're left with a lot of stupid. Right now.
0: <laughs> How the fuck did Pokemon Arceus make it this far? I'm even mad about Pokemon Arceus. Oh
1: Lord. Oh God. It's fine. We'll we'll get it over. It's dude, you're gonna kill yourself if it's Arceus.
0: God. You guys will have to find a new host. <laughs> 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 uh well, all right. It's time to get out of here. So as always, you can find us on social media for all things culture bop hunting pixels and the culture bop family of content. Culture Bop is available on Twitter at Culture Underscore Bop, on Instagram at Culture Underscore Bop, and on the YouTubes at CultureBop. I am available on Twitter at the Bebot Man 182 on Instagram at Bebot Man 182 and on Twitch, where I am starting streaming next week. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I'm at the underscore Bebot Man. Uh, Dylan is available on Twitter at OMDizzyTV, on Instagram at OMDizzy, on Twitch at OMDizzy, on YouTube at OMDizzy, and a new one. He's on TikTok at DYZMartMART. I like to call it Dizzy Mart. Dizzy Mart. <laughs> but for real, just if I can't talk
1: about that, uh, I always talk about hiking and fishing and shit in the podcast, but I do see a lot of beautiful places. And I really never thought I'd be a person who posts on TikTok, but I have started to recently just to show off a lot of the places that I go because they are very just serene and beautiful. So I'm posting little snippets of that. It's nothing crazy, but it's it's a, it's a look into the world that very few people get to see. So check it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, do it. Um, Austin, who's not here with us because he is dead, gets skipped. uh, (laughs) (laughs) He is um, on Twitter at Big Papa Plays, on Instagram at Big Papa Plays, on Twitch at Big Papa Plays, and on TikTok at Big Papa Plays. Finally, if you're looking to support the podcast or any of the endeavors we're undertaking as Culture Pop, then go to patreon.com slash Pop and toss us a pledge. We are offering very cool perks. And once we start hitting our goals, even more content will be on its way. So that is it for us. That is the end of the show. Do you have anything to say, Austin?
1: oh you're not Austin you're Dylan holy shit that was fun you should have just left it at that and then ended the podcast (laughs) oh my god no I don't have anything else to Uh, say I was Uh, looking
0: at his name and I was like Austin yes I should ask him what he has to do Yep.
1: that's funny as shit you just need to get like a little sound bite from him for the week and then just like he's been silent the whole podcast (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, but no everyone uh never get COVID
0: it sucks get vaccinated do that stuff yep All right. Well, that is it. Until next time. Goodbye.